are here ready to worship the Lord with us, bring him our praise as well as receive whatever it is that he has for us this morning. Well, I want to let you know a few things that are going on in the life of the church. First, I want to say thank you to Abby Dunlap and her volunteers for hosting Parents' Night Out last Friday. That was refreshing for a number of us, including myself, so thank you for that, and thank you guys for bringing your kids out. They had a blast. I want to let you know our last Kingdom Basics um, time together, which is our Sunday evening gathering in the series of Kingdom Basics, is tonight, right? So we've been going through a series on Sunday evenings where we've been um, able to dive in a little bit deeper into uh, the topics that have been uh, discussed on Sunday mornings. Um, we've gone through worship. We've gone through uh, authority and how that affects our kids walking in our authority. Last week, uh, it was awesome. Last Sunday night, we practiced recognizing God's voice for others. And there were so many people that left so encouraged, realizing and recognizing that God had spoken to them for someone else. And also that they had received um, a word from the Lord uh, that he had spoken to someone else for them. So that was beautiful. And tonight, tonight at 6 p.m. right here, we're going to be talking and practicing uh, what it looks like to pray for healing. To see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in healing. And so we would invite you here for that um, to come and uh, learn as well as have the opportunity uh, to participate and practice if you'd like to do that. There will be childcare for ages zero all the way through fifth grade. So don't let that stop you. We'd love to have you and see you tonight for that. Also, um, something that you're going to continue to hear a lot about because we are really excited about what God's going to be doing through Faith Church's partnership with the School of Kingdom Ministry, uh, also known as SOCOM. Um, the School of Kingdom Ministry is something that Faith Church uh, is going to become a a campus for uh, beginning January. We're launching in January, and I am so excited about this because, like we've said before, um, this is going to be a place to dive deeper and consistently into understanding both the meat of the word and the practical real life power of the spirit of God. And what I love about that reality that we're about to dive into together in that is that whether you just be became a believer, just became a follower of Jesus two weeks ago, or you've been walking with him for decades, the school of kingdom ministry is going to um, give you the opportunity to practice with consistency what it looks like to be led by the Spirit and to walk in the power of the kingdom of God in real-life ways. You know, I was actually just talking with a friend uh, right before church about dancing and how being led by the Spirit is, is very much like dancing. And one of the things that I was sharing with her is that when you're learning to dance, consistency is key. Like, right? Like, I can't go to a dance lesson once and then four months later go to another one and think I'm, I'm going to be able to learn how to dance, right? So that's one of the reasons that we're offering these um, Kingdom Basics series on Sunday nights, but that's kind of like a one-time thing, right? The School of Kingdom Ministry is going to offer you a place to consistently engage the meat of the word, right? This is not just a you know, well, let's see how this looks. This is a meat of the word, understanding theological depth 
along with the practical real-life application of walking in the power of the Spirit. So I would very much encourage you um, to get all the details you can, to pray about that, to think about that, to prepare for that. And one of the best ways you can do that is by joining us for our first informational meeting right after church today for the School of Kingdom Ministry. So if you are at all even curious about what this is going to look like or what this is going to feel like or what this is going to include, I encourage you to stay right after church today. It's going to be a short, about 20, 20 possibly 30-minute meeting, depending on how many questions you have. We'll be talking about the content that will be covered, as well as the logistical aspects. So we would love for you um, to stay for that uh, today. All right. Well, there are a couple different things I want to do um, before we start engaging our um, our bodies and our minds and our voices in, in the worship of the Lord in just a moment, I'm going to pray for Israel. Some of you know that um, Israel in the last 24 hours has experienced a, a number of attacks, so we want to pray for our brothers and sisters there. Um, and I also want to read a, a scripture, a passage, so if, excuse me, a passage of scripture. So if you would stand with me as we get ready um, to engage the Lord in those ways, that would be wonderful. So I want to read to you this morning... Um, out of Revelation chapter 3, and we've been going through a series called uh, Faith Church Dog Dogmatics, or basically what faith church believes, um, just to make sure everybody's on the same page and understanding what we believe God is calling us to walk in as a church body. Um, and what that boils down to, obviously we've been diving into some of the details of that, but what that boils down to is the supremacy of Christ the supremacy of Christ, the fact that he is right now sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning, and that is the good news. The gospel is that Jesus is king and he's invited us, he's made a way for us to be with God. The supremacy of Christ, the power of God, the power of God to save us, the power of God that he has now indwelling each believer to walk in that same power, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And that really hit me uh, this morning as, as I believe the Lord drew me to this passage. Revelation 3, verse 8 says, it's a little bit of context. Jesus is um, speaking to John and he's, he's revealing his message to specific churches. And Jesus says to the church in Philadelphia, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I'm gonna read that one more time. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So Father, I ask that that would be true of each one in this room, of every believer everywhere, but Lord, as we're gathered here today, I pray that would be true of Faith Church, Lord. That no matter our perception of your, um, of our ability to walk in power with you, God, of our ability to walk in, in the identity that you have placed on us, God, I pray that you would be pleased that we have kept your word and that we have not denied your name. Lord, give us strength 
to make that our reality, God. Strengthen us that we would keep your word and that we would not deny your name, Lord, that we would testify to your goodness when you call us, that we would glorify your name to people who need to know that you see them, that you are tangible, God, and that you have called your church into a beautiful, powerful walk with you, God, as we yield our hearts to you, Lord. And Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fall on Israel in such a way that strengthens your believers there. Jesus, you've sent us the comforter, you've sent us the Holy Spirit, so I pray that you would comfort them and that the believers that are in Israel right now, Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness and that you would use this time, this unique time in Israel's history, God, to draw the hearts of your first children, God, to you, Jesus. Let them surrender to you, God. Let them see your glory. Let them walk in your favor, God. Lord, we ask that you would stop the attacks but more than that, God, I ask that your presence would fill that place in such a way that every human being in that land would recognize and proclaim Jesus as Lord and that the earth would recognize your glory, God. So, Father, as we gather here right now, I pray that you would fill our praise with passion, God, with authentic, genuine passion to see you lifted up to see you receive the glory that you are due. Let us worship in spirit and in truth, God, and meet us here, God. That is our cry in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, what a beautiful introduction to where we're going today. We will not deny your name, O Lord. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are Yahweh. You are El Shaddai. You are Jehovah. Worship Him. Call out the names of God that come to your mind right now. Oh, you are a warrior. You are a victorious warrior, oh Lord. You are fighting our battles. You are fighting for Israel. You are the Holy One of Israel. And we begin to magnify you with song, with our praise. Lord, let it be so. Let us worship you with passion. Let us sound the battle cry. Oh, Lord, you are victorious. You are victorious. We are fighting for victory. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's worship the Lord God, Jehovah.
over my anger, over my sickness. God, every battle, over my addictions, God, those battles belong to you.
restoration of faith, God. Give us faith to believe that you are who you say you are. You will do what you say you will do. You are worthy of your name, oh Lord. And I believe you're my healer. I believe you
First, Amy, can you come here really quick? I just want to, I want to clarify that I did not call Amy this morning oh, yeah. and know. say, brown shoes, maroon pants, dark top, let's do it. That was, we didn't do it, okay? So don't think it, don't think it. Yeah, Amy's going to find something prophetic in that, I know it. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, we do 50 weeks in the Word here each week. We read one chapter every day, we memorize one verse, and then there's one Bible study on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. And this week, our, uh, our chapter was Romans chapter 12, and so what we do is we recite this together. If you didn't uh, commit to memorizing and to reading, don't feel bad that you don't know the verse, um, and even if you did, don't feel bad, but... Um, you, this is something, I think we have somewhere around 80 people who have signed up to, to do this. So this is our verse this morning, and we're going to say it together. Do not be conformed to this world. And acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, 12, 12, 2. You may have a seat. We're continuing in our series, Faith Dogmatics. This is what we believe as a church. Uh, dogmatics is just a fancy name for the word believe and beliefs. Just to reiterate what we said in the first few weeks, we hold to every um, ancient creed, the Nicene Creed, the Apostle Creed, the virgin birth, the resurrection. We, all of the major Christian doctrines we hold on to, these are what we believe above and beyond that. And here's what we've been going through over the past uh, seven weeks. This is our eighth week in it. Dogmatics uh, number one through three. First, faith church believes that the world is a supernatural place. There are good forces and evil forces and there are battles. And we are uh, here in the physical. But what happens in the spiritual affects the physical. And what happens in the physical affects, affects the spiritual. The world is a supernatural place. Faith Church believes that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God when he began his earthly ministry and we await its fulfillment right now. The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Faith Church believes that Jesus displayed the good news of the kingdom. When he came to preach the kingdom, he displayed it by teaching with authority, casting out demons, and healing 
the sick. Those are three things that the Bible says this is what it means for the kingdom to be among you. Number four, we are a continuationist church that believes that we have the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus' miracles. So all spiritual gifts are for the church today. All of them, from the ones that we're comfortable with, like teaching and mercy and administration and helps, to the ones that some people might be uncomfortable with, to healing, miracles, uh, speaking in tongues, prophecy, all those things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. We believe uh, that you need a robust view of your identity. You must root yourself in what God says about your identity to live out the kingdom on earth. We believe lies, and we need to believe truth about who we are and who God says that we are. Faith Church believes that every believer is called to walk in the delegated authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus came and snatched back authority with his uh, life, death, and resurrection. At the cross, it says that God disarmed all the rulers and authorities and triumphed over them in Christ. And then Jesus says, all authorities now been given to me in heaven and on earth. So you go and make disciples. So we live in that. Last week, we talked about prophecy. And at Faith, at faith Church, pursues the spiritual gifts. We follow the command of Bible to especially desire the gift of prophecy. And last week when we talked about it, we lumped in word of knowledge and word of wisdom. That a word of knowledge is a supernatural insight of facts that you would have no other way of knowing. And a word of wisdom is supernatural insight of knowledge given to give direction to a person's life. Um, and so if you missed any of those, you can catch the on our YouTube or on the podcast. Um, and this morning, we're going to talk about healing. And I'm going to be in Matthew 8 and Luke 7. And it's going to be a little different. I'm going to read Matthew 8 and Luke 7. And I'm not, I'll talk about them just a little bit, but we'll keep going. But um, what, what I've realized as I've begun to get a little bit older, despite all my kicking and screaming about aging, as I've gotten older, I've realized a few things, that it's hard to change long-standing beliefs. Pretty much everybody, like, okay, um, pretty much everyone believes that the music you listened to as a teenager, early 20s, is the best music ever created, right? And I always, I always told myself, I'm not going to be one of those people. Like, I'm not going to listen to the same music all the time. I'm going to grow and evolve with the culture as music changes. And now I listen to music, I'm like, no, this is, this is horrible. This is trash. I'm going to turn on some 90s uh, rock or something, 2000s rock, that, right? And so, uh, I, so I be, I've believed that for 20 years, that that era of music is better, and it's going to take an act of God to convince me otherwise. All right, you get this around with sports too, right? So uh, when I was in high school in the late 90s, Michael Jordan was playing basketball and I watched him play. I would argue with my friends the next day about how great he was. And so anybody my age and older generally thinks that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever and we would be correct, right? <laughs> but now all these young kids, they never saw him. And so they're like, LeBron, LeBron. No, it's not, it's not close. Like, I've seen both of them. You have to trust me on this. And so I've believed for 25 years that Jordan's been the greatest player. It's going to take an act of God, literally, to change my mind. 
And this is just about general culture. We always think that, that the era we grew up in was the best, that uh, it was great. Like, uh, look, I, I see all these like old reminiscent posts. Like, we used to drink out of water hoses. Yeah, man, water hose water was gross. Like, I'm glad that I experienced it, but I would much rather go inside and get like filtered water from my fridge, right? But we think that that's the best. And so this happens... Uh, in, in church, too, the things that we've believed the longest or the hardest are the most difficult to change. I remember as we were talk, first talking about the gifts years ago, uh, well, years ago, three years ago, I'm sitting with, with a man, and he's saying, what I learned growing up was not wrong. He reiterated that three times in the time that we were meeting. I wasn't taught the wrong stuff growing up. And I said, you're absolutely right. You probably weren't taught the wrong stuff. But, but think about it like the ABCs. If you're only taught A, B, C, D, E, and F, but there's this whole alphabet following, does that make A, B, C, D, E, and F wrong? Absolutely not. That's the order of the alphabet. Right? A, B, C, D, E, and F. And some of you, your grades were the opposite order. Right? <laughs> but that's the order of the alphabet. And so what we, we've been doing and exploring as a church for the last three years is, okay, A, B, C, D, E, and F, okay. But then there's G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. And we're probably like somewhere around R or S. Right? Probably never get to Z. Right? The, the point is, is that we'll never get to Z. In 10,000 years, we'll be sitting, looking around the new heavens and the new earth and all creation and being like, wait, there's more to know about God. There's more to love about Jesus. Right? We'll never get to the Z. But we're, we've progressed beyond the, the milk. And this is what we're talking about when we talk about things like healing. So if you're with me in Matthew 8, I'm just going to read three verses. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17, and you could read along with me. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. Now turn to Luke chapter 7 for me. I'm going to read verses 18 through 23. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the man had come to them, they said, John the Baptist has sent us saying to you, saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we have this passage in Matthew chapter 8, where 
this, the healing and the casting out of demons is, is presented to us. And then Matthew, writing to the Jews, wants to tie Jesus as Messiah back to the scriptures, back to the Old Testament. And he says, and he did all of this to fulfill what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 53, that he took our illness and bore our diseases. And then John the Baptist, who had seen Jesus, who had who baptized him, is having this crisis. Like, are you the one or is there more? Is there somebody else coming after you, right? And that should give you hope and, and a little ray of light when you struggle that John the Baptist struggled as well. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you the one? John wants to know. And Jesus says, hold on a second. Just stand there and watch. He's like, do you have any lepers? Lepers, I'm gonna heal you. Is anybody blind? You're gonna get your sight. Oh, you're manifesting a demon over there? Hey, come out of him. All of these things happen. And then he looks at them and then he quotes from Isaiah again. He quotes different parts of, of promises in Isaiah. And he says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. Go tell him that the lame, that the blind receive their sight, that the lame walk, that lepers are cleansed, that the dead hear, that the, uh, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised up, that the poor have good news preached. But he leaves off a pot passage, uh, a place of Isaiah where it says, and the prisoners are set free because John was not gonna be set free from prison. But he says, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. And so this morning, as we talk about healing, here's dogmatic number eight. Faith Church believes in divine healing as a sign of the kingdom and actively prays for physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. That's dogmatic number eight. To add to that, praying for healing is a biblical command given to the people of God. In Mark chapter 16, uh, Jesus says, and these signs will follow those who believe. And then he gives a list of things. And then at the end of it, he says, and they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover, right? It's, it's, and it's not just the disciples, it's not just the apostles, it's not just for the early church, it was for all these, will fo- these signs will follow all those who believe, everyone, and so we pray for healing. James 5 is this interesting passage where it says, is any, of you, is any among you sick? Have him call for the elders, and the elders will pray over him. And then it talks about being saved and being healed by those prayers, because the prayer of a righteous man has great power and it's working. But the, 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 the biblical uh, tenet that James lays out is that when you're sick, go ask for healing. Right, so many times our first thing I'm sick, let me take 18 medications, and if those medications don't work, then I'll go ask for healing. Let me, and I'm not, uh, we'll get to it, I'm not saying medication's bad, but this, this is, it, there's this concept that James says, go get prayed for. And so let's define healing as we go forward. When I talk about healing, I'm talking about divine, supernatural healing. Right, that's what, uh, can you be healed by medicine? Absolutely. We don't tell people to go off medication. We don't have people. Uh, there was a lady who came to me, and she's not from this church. I, you know, I can't even remember who it was or, 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 or anything like that, but she came to get prayer for healing, 
and she had surgery scheduled the next week. And so um, we started, I, so me and a couple other people, we prayed for healing for her, and God started to do some stuff, and we don't know, I don't know if she was healed, because I, 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 even if I wanted to follow up, I can't remember who she is right now. And she felt like God did something in her body, and she said, so should I cancel my surgery? And I said, I'm not going to tell you to do that. Because if, if you still need surgery, go get surgery. Like we're, we're not uh, saying no modern medicine at all, but when we talk about healing, we're talking about that that happens outside of the scope of modern medicine. Divine healing is God intervening supernaturally to heal a person's physical, emotional, or spiritual infirmities and limitations. This is, that's how we'll define divine, supernatural healing this morning. It's God's intervention into life now. And Jesus, as we've said over the past seven weeks, and if you go to any church, any church will, will, vow, will agree with this, that Jesus is our model for living. That when we think, how should we live, we should look to the scriptures and say, see, how did Jesus live? When we want to say, what should we do in this situation? We should look at what Jesus did in that situation. We should be led by the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is our model. And so when we talk about healing, we have to ask, why does Jesus heal? Why does he heal? Because that's the, uh, the biggest question. If we want to live like Jesus, have the heart and the mind of Jesus, why does he heal? Jesus heals because he is God's nature in human flesh. And we're gonna sit here and unpack this a little bit, but here's what Jesus says. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The disciples are all worried because they know that something's coming. They know that the, the, the time's at an end and they're asking Jesus, Jesus, just show us the Father. And Jesus, probably, without an exasperated sigh like I would give, right, not a, not with probably with not one of those, looks at his disciples and says, no, you've seen me. And whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, you want to know what the Father's like? Look at me. You know what the Father does in this situation? Look at what I did. Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Hebrews 1.3 is an incredible verse. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is an exact imprint of the Father's nature. If you wanna be identified, if they're going to identify a criminal they get the imprint of their thumb and that tells them exactly who it is. And so Jesus is the imprint that tells us exactly who the Father is. And then it says he upholds the universe by the words of his power. So the chair that you are sitting on is only holding you up because Jesus' word of power is telling it to hold you up. Like, I'm only speaking to you with the air coming out of the diaphragm, passing through, I don't know, some other stuff in my body. I don't know exactly how it works, but it comes out and it makes sense and it comes and it goes forth and it makes sense in your ears only because Jesus is upholding it 
by the word of his power. And he died for your sins. That, that's th this Jesus who is the exact imprint of his nature who holds everything together. He died for your sins so that you could be purified and righteous before God. And when he did that, he went up and he's sitting down at the right hand of God in all authority, reigning and ruling over us right now. And so you, by asking him for forgiveness, by repenting and turning from your own ways and following him, you invite the lordship of Jesus over you and you are saved. It's the beauty of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 4, in the case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing what the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Jesus heals because he is God's nature and human's flesh. So then we have to look at the Old Testament and say, okay, what was God's attitude towards healing in the Old Testament? For healing and wholeness. God's original plan in the garden was no death, no sickness, no pain. I decided after a couple weeks ago when I, when I told you that it was when sin enters the world through Adam that death enters, and I said, blame Adam, right? Like that was the thing. Like you don't like your job, blame Adam. You're having trouble with your wife, blame Adam. That's gonna be my Christian band name, blame Adam. So sin enters the world and death enters the world, but this isn't how God originally designed it. We were supposed to eat from the tree of life and he was supposed to walk in the cool of the garden with us and we were supposed to be one at this place where heaven it overlapped with earth and that was where we were to be, where there would be no death, no sickness, and no pain and we get a picture of that in the new Jerusalem. But this is God's original design, but when sickness comes in, when death comes in, Satan begins to use sickness Infirmity as death and death as works against humanity to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Because the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that we would have abundant life. And if Satan is using this as works against us, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, John writes. Right, so th this, this creation is fractured and yet God calls his people Israel and all, you know, through the book of Genesis, he's calling Abraham, he's calling Jacob and Isaac, he's calling all of these people. They find themselves in slavery and Jesus calls, or God calls them out of slavery, takes them across the Red Sea and when he gets them across the Red Sea, he says, he gives himself a name. And in Exodus 15, 26, God gives himself the name Jehovah Rapha. God is my healer. Look, uh, John writes in, in, his, uh, in his epistle, in 1 John, he writes, God is love. And God is love. Every characteristic of love is, is, is a picture and an image of God. But this is all that you'll hear in most mainstream evangelicalism is God is love, God is love. And then people want to use God is love to dismiss sin, right? And so while I hold to the fact that God is love, I also believe that God is 
that he is the character and the, and the characteristics of the names that he's given himself. So I believe that God is love and I also believe that God is healer and God is peace and God is Jehovah Jireh, he is provider, right? And so when God gives himself a name, we have to pay attention. So there the Lord made for them a statute and a rule and there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your healer for I am Jehovah Rapha. But he says, look, obey me. Do what I've, do what I've, I've commanded you to do. Follow me, keep the statutes, do it. And you will not get any of the diseases that, it, that the Egyptians had. Rapha is used for physical healing. In Genesis 20, 17, Numbers 12, 13, and Psalm 103, 3, among many other verses. Rapha is said to, uh, it is healing for barrenness, for boils, for lepers, right? Miriam, last week I talked about Miriam getting a little uppity with Moses. Moses isn't the only one who hears. And then God comes and he says, no, I talked to Moses face to face. Well, what we didn't go into is that then he strikes Miriam with leprosy. And she has to go out of the camp. And then, uh, and then God tells Moses, go pray for her and she will be roughed. She will be healed. But the word is also used to heal lands, souls, backsliding, and even the water because God desires wholeness for all of his creation. I talked about, I talked about the land holding on to things a few weeks ago. Right, and that verse in Chronicles that everybody loves, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and I will rafa their land is what it says in the Hebrew. I will bring wholeness and healing to their land. Right? It's this big picture. It's not just about us. It's this big picture of God redeeming all of creation. That's what he's healing. And if the nation of Israel had been a faithful nation, there would have been no sickness in their land. Man, you could read the Old Testament and miss this. Sprinkled all these different places. It's sprinkled there in Exodus, which I just read. And then it's again in Exodus 23. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. He's telling us, just follow me. I'll take away your sicknesses. The pain and, and devastation of miscarriages and barrenness, it won't be there any longer. Just follow me. He tells them again in Deuteronomy 7, he says, I'll and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you, but he will lay them on all who hate you. He says, so not only will you not be diseased, but I will use a disease as weapon against those who want to come against you. I'll take away all your sicknesses. This is what God wanted for his people Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. 
my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. What do we do with these words that we, that we incline our ear to, that don't escape our sight, that we keep within our heart? Why? Because they are life to all who find them and healing to all their flesh. There's healing to our flesh in the word of God. That's a crazy concept, but it's there. It's throughout. And in Isaiah 33, when God is talking about ideal, the ideal, it says, and no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. And this verse ties iniquity into sickness. But God's, God is presenting this picture to his people. If you're faithful, I'll heal you. If you're faithful, I'll heal you. For the nation of Israel, sickness and suffering were considered to be a curse. And healing and wholeness were their birthright. That's what it was supposed to be as obedient people. And we all know intrinsically that sickness, disease, and death are bad. Like we don't wake up in the morning, get a little stuffed up, have a sore throat, get a little dizzy as we stand up, and are like, yes, I am sick. I mean, maybe when you're a kid and you have a test that day, and you're like, maybe, but, but we all know intrinsically there's something wrong when we're sick. There's something wrong when we hear that somebody has cancer. There's something wrong when we hear about a 40-year-old, a 20-year-old, somebody dying well before their time. We all know that something's wrong. And in the Bible, wholeness for God's people is both spiritual and physical. And we're good with the spiritual part, but it's physical as well. And what, what, what we tend to do is we tend to spiritualize texts that are about physical healing. What do I mean? I mean Isaiah 53. Well, God's not talking about our, our like physical illness or our physical diseases, but our spiritual illness and our spiritual diseases. That's what he bore on the cross. Well, it later does say that he took our transgressions and our sins and our iniquities. It, it tells us that, but that part's talking about physicalness. That he bore fit. And then in Matthew, when Jesus starts healing people and casting out demons, it goes back to Isaiah 53 and it says, this is what Isaiah was talking about when he said he bore our illnesses and our diseases. And so he's pointing back to God's original design consistently in Matthew. And so we don't want to uh, read and read verses in Proverbs that say that the words of God are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Right? You can't make that and change that. Be like, well, by flesh, he means your spirit. No, he means your flesh. Like there's healing there. And so Jesus comes on the scene as the exact imprint of God, as the, as the image of God, as, who says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So if God has this design for no healing and no sickness in his land among his people, then we would expect that Jesus comes exactly how he comes, healing everyone. Why does Jesus heal? Right? He heals because he's the exact nature of God. He is the, the, the representation, the physical representation of the nature of God. 
He also heals to proclaim the kingdom of God. Matthew 4, and Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So he's going to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and he shows them that the kingdom's there by healing. Luke 9, he calls the 12 together. This is when he's delegating authority and he gives them the power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Those things go hand in hand. Then he calls the 70. He tells them, go heal the sick in those towns and say to them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus heals to proclaim the kingdom of God. And so when somebody's healed, we rightly say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He heals to proclaim the kingdom of God. He heals to prove that he can forgive sins. The paralytic, talked about a little bit last week, but the paralytics laid down in front of him. He says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are like, nope. Can't say that, can't do that. He's like, what? He's like, why do you grumble in your hearts? Perceiving their thoughts, he says, why do you grumble among yourselves? And say, how can he, only God can heal sins, but so that you know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. You, paralyzed man, man who doesn't walk, man who is an outcast, you get up on your feet, muscles stop being atrophied, bones be strengthened, uh, all of it work together, take up your bed and walk. And it, 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 I would imagine, right, if some a paralyzed person was getting healed, he could just walk. Like, have you ever seen a baby deer being born? I haven't, but I saw it on National Geographic. Or a giraffe, even, and the, they're wobbling. This man just gets up and he walks away. And so Jesus is saying, I can forgive sins. Look at that. That's proof to you that I am the one who's going to forgive your sin. He heals to fulfill prophecy. These are our two passages that we started with. That Jesus heals, and either the, Matthew the writer is saying, look, he's fulfilling this prophecy in Isaiah. And then he starts quoting from Isaiah to tell the messengers from John the Baptist, you You've seen it, you know it. Yes, I'm the one that you've been waiting for. In John chapter nine, they come across a blind man and they say, who sinned, this man's mother or his father? And he says, no, no, no. None of that sickness caused it, but watch. Now the glory of God's going to be revealed. You go ahead and be healed. And the man's instantly healed. Right? Right? So when people are healed, the glory of God is seen. He heals because he has compassion. There's probably 15,000 people following him as he's teaching and as he's walking and they won't leave and they've been following him for days and his, his disciples come and say, hey, but before that happens, it says that he looks at them, see, because we always focus on the on the feeding of the 5,000. But what it says before that is it says that Jesus looked on them and had compassion for they were like sheep without a shepherd and he healed all the sick among them. And then they're like, well, now they're hungry. Okay, let's give them some fish. Let's give them some loaves. But he healed people there because he had compassion. 
on Matthew 20, Bartimaeus is at the side of the road. Son of David, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus goes over and it says he looks at him with compassion or with pity. And he heals his blind eyes. In Mark 1:41, a leper comes up to Jesus and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And it says that Jesus looked at the leper and he didn't run away. He didn't, he didn't tell him, get outside the town. He looked at the leper and it says, with compassion. And then he healed the leper. Jesus heals because he looks at us and he says, there's something not right there and I want to heal. Jesus heals in response to faith. The centurion and the servant, the woman with the issue of blood and the blind man, Bartimaeus, on the side of the road. They all had faith for, some, for themselves or for somebody else to be healed. And he heals in response to the friend's faith in the story of the paralytic. He heals in response of a mother's faith in the case of the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demonized. So he, he heals in response to faith. So we have to ask ourselves some questions. If we believe that Jesus reflects the nature, will, and power of God, then we have to ask ourselves how Jesus viewed sickness and infirmity. Here are facts. Jesus did not come making healthy people sick. He came making sick people well. Right? Even his enemies, if he wanted to on the cross as they're spitting on him, as they're slapping him, he could have, he could have, he could have spoken leprosy on them and they would have become leprous and they would have been thrown out of town. That's why he tells them, I have all these angels at my disposal, but I'm gonna stay here. But he healed, he made sick people whole. And Jesus always viewed sickness as an enemy. No one ever came up to him and was like, I'm sick. And he says, oh no, it's a good thing. No, just stay sick. God's making you sick so he could teach you a lesson and he can refine. He never said any of that. Because, it, it, yeah, okay. If you believe that God gives you a sickness to teach you a lesson, which I'm not saying he de- never uses sickness to do that, but he does it to disobedient, non-Yahweh followers in the Old Testament. But if you believe that God gives you sickness to teach you a lesson, then if you go to the doctor, you are outside the will of God. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, God made me sick to teach me a lesson, but I'm gonna go get healed. No, God made you sick to teach you a lesson. You're le- you don't know if your lesson's learned. You don't know if you should start taking medication. You, shouldn't know, you, don't, you don't know if you should start going to the doctor. And then on the flip side, you can't, say, you can't say, well, God didn't give me this sickness, but he doesn't want to heal me. You can't have it both ways. So if you believe that God gives you sickness, if you believe that God gives you sickness to teach you a lesson, don't go to the doctor until you've learned your lesson. Should I rest there? Right there, just for a second? Yeah? Okay, okay. And Jesus healed everyone who came to him. Everyone. Everyone. Healed all the sick. He never, never said no. Never said no. 
And Jesus did not postpone healing to the resurrection, to the final resurrection of man. Nobody came up to him, said, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Uh, I'd like to be healed. And he said, well, you know what? When I come back for the final and there's white throne judgment, when in the new heavens, you know what? you'll be healed then. That is true, and I hold on to that. But Jesus didn't postpone it. The will of the Father was to always heal in that moment. And so if that's all that Jesus did, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So all of this stuff right there, his belief about sick, it's all still true today. And so I'm gonna now say the things that sometimes bother people. And that's okay. When, when people get mad about talking about healing and the gifts of the Spirit, this is, this is one of the things that they usually get angry about. And then the other one, I'm going to teach about next week, so come next week, okay? God's ideal will for, ideal will for his obedient children is wholeness and healing. That's what it was for Israel. And if that's what it was under the old covenant, of which Hebrew says that there is now a better covenant, that the old one's been made obsolete and we're under a better system of God's divine leadership, if we see it there, then it's true now. God's ideal will for his obedient children is wholeness and healing. And I put obedient in there because God does use it, God does use sickness to call back his people, rogue kings in the Old Testament. But what happens when he calls them back? How does he call them back? He makes them sick, and then how does he call them back? He heals them, right? If they want to come back. Right? And, and if we pray prayers like, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to ask ourselves, what's happening in heaven in the realm of sickness and infirmity right now? Is there any? So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are asking, bring parts of heaven into the now. And that's essentially what we do when we pray for healing. We're saying, God, the future fruits of what we're going to live, bring it right now into the present the already and not yet, bring the not, the not yet part into our already and heal. And in cases of sickness and infirmity, it is always God's will to heal his obedient children. The exception is if it's a sickness unto death. There's places where the Bible says this was a sickness unto death. And one of the, uh, the prophets, I forget which one, but it said, and he, got the, and he contracted the, the disease that he was to die of. So there's that exception. And so you're asking yourself the same questions that I've asked and that everybody at some point asks, everybody who believes this. Then why isn't everyone healed all the time? I've prayed for and I've seen a lot of healing, but not everyone I've prayed for has been healed. This is, this is by far the toughest question because I just showed you what I think, what I personally think is a very, very sound biblical argument. 
for God always wanting to heal. That that's been his nature and his design from the beginning. And I know some of you think to a family member or a friend. You're thinking, then why didn't he heal that one? And I wish that I had a good pastoral answer for you. But I don't. There's hints in the Bible. There's some stuff we'll talk about tonight if you want to come to Kingdom Basics where I'll teach you how to pray for healing and we'll we'll practice praying for healing tonight, 6 o'clock here. But I remember when COVID was breaking out really bad in the summer of 2020 and people would go on ventilators and ventilators kind of became um, a death sentence for a lot of people. Like most people went on a ventilator, didn't come back. And I went and uh, when I, when, and I'll say I, but God's supplying the power, God's supplying everything. But I prayed for four people on ventilators and three people came off ventilators. And the fourth one, I don't know if they did because it was just some random guy where somebody heard I was going into the ICU and they're like, stop by this room and pray for this guy. He goes to this church. And I was like, okay. And I didn't know his name, but I prayed for him. So I don't know. But I prayed for somebody who had been um, comatose for three weeks. And I went and I prayed for him and his vital signs turned around. And he came off of his ventilator. And he was able to look and communicate with his family. And he hadn't done that in weeks, maybe a month. And I'm getting updates. It's, it was from somebody who goes to a different church. And I was getting updates. And I'm just like, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Like, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then a week later, he died. He didn't die of COVID, though. He died of a secondary infection. And I walked away from that, and I was like, God, what? What? He came off the ventilator. He, he communicated. Like, what? Why, why is he dead now? And I, I think I have some answers, but... They're just what I think. Why isn't everyone healed all the time? And what, if you've been around this stuff, what you don't want to hear is that if you have enough faith, you would be healed. I battle allergies. I have for 20-something years. And sometimes they can get bad or debilitating. Sometimes my faith is lacking for myself. I can pray for others in great faith, but I... Like, I don't receive it well, but there are times where I do. I know all, I know, I know all the ways. I know that deliverance sometimes brings healing. I know that sometimes I have to walk in faith, and I do have to sometimes have the faith. I know that the person praying for me has to have the faith. I know all of this. I know all the tricks. I know all the tips. I know all of it. And yet, I, you'll still hear me. <laughs> When I was in youth group, 
when I was in youth, when I was a youth pastor, excuse me, felt like I was in youth group, but I was a youth pastor, uh, some of the girls started to make fun of me, the junior high girls. And if you've never been made fun of by a bunch of junior high girls, it hurts. Like, I don't care how old you are, man. There's something. But they would call it the Charles Snort. One time I was teaching, and they're like all laughing. And I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Like, I'm not saying anything funny right now. Like, what's going And then afterwards, they said, oh, we, it's Charles Snort. I've had people proclaim healing on me, tell me I was healed. Go, go walk and claim it, and you'll be healed. Just, you know, uh, uh, know beforehand that God's going to heal, it and you'll be fine. And yet, you'll still heal me, hear me. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't believe I can't be healed. It doesn't mean that I don't seek healing. I still do. Absolutely. But in this case, in my case, I don't think it's my faith. Not that I have faith all figured out or that I always have the highest and greatest faith. I'm not saying that at all, but I've seen enough people healed that I have faith that God heals. And Jesus heals in the absence of faith many times. In the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, the man doesn't even know who Jesus is. The Pharisees and the religious leaders ask him, who healed you? He's like, no idea. All I know is that I was down there and now I'm walking. But it's a Sunday. I don't care. I'm walking. It's a Sabbath. All right. In Mark chapter 6, it says, and he could do no mighty work there when he goes, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So, and he marveled because of their unbelief or their lack of faith. So even when they didn't believe and he couldn't do anything mighty, he healed. I love that because healing is not a mighty work. It's just a regular work. Like he couldn't do any mighty works, but he laid his hands on people and they were healed. So it's this everyday thing and there is no faith in the region and yet he still healed people. And there are other times where Jesus didn't heal because of the person's faith, but because of the people around the sick or infirmed person. Now, all that being said, there are other times where faith seems to spark the healing. Right? Acts 14.9, as Paul's preaching, he sees that a man has the faith to be healed. And so he's healed. The woman with the issue of blood, he tells her, go, daughter, your faith has made you well. She fought through, she fought through, she grabbed the, the hem of his garment, she's healed. Power comes out of him because of her faith. A Syrophoenician woman, Jesus tells her, you don't give the bread to the dogs. And she says, yes, but even the dogs eat from the crumb of the master's table. And he says, what? Oh my gosh. I have not seen faith like this Anywhere, go, your daughter's healed. Look, faith and healing are intertwined, but they're intertwined in ways that are not so black and white. Why aren't people healed all the time? We're gonna talk about this a little bit more tonight. Could be a sin issue. Could be demonic, right? Luke 13, woman's been bent over. She's been bent over. She's a daughter of Abraham, but she's been bent over. And Jesus doesn't pray for her back to be straightened or for her to stand up. He casts out a demon, and then she stands up. 
I won't say that joke. I'll say it tonight so you can come tonight. There's disobedience. There's sin issues, right? Sometimes we're just sick because we're living in sin. We're sick because we stay up. We go out all night. We stay up till 3 in the morning. We get up for work at 7. We never get enough sleep, drinking, doing drugs. And then we're shocked when we're sick. Right? So there's all these different ways. We'll talk about these, some of these more tonight. And in the New Testament, there's emphasis placed on the person doing the faith of the person doing the praying, not the faith of the person. Luke 10.9, we quoted this earlier. He says, you go, you go, and this is what Jesus says. He says, you go heal the sick. Now, what he's saying is, I think, because it's not there in the text, but what I think he's saying is, go in my power and my authority, and when you pray in my name, the sick will be healed. I think that's what he's saying, but that's not what he says. He says, you go heal the sick. In Mark 16, that's the, and these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. James 5 says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man. And so every time I pray for somebody and they're not healed, I step back and I think, okay, God, what is coming in between you and me right now that's not allowing your healing power to flow through? I think this is the the way that we should look at healing. So these are all, there are all these tough questions, right? There are all these, these things that, that seem to, to want to rile up in us that say God doesn't want to heal, God will not heal, God cannot heal. But that is not the message of the Bible. And so, I'm gonna end with my personal testimony or viewpoint. Up until 2020, I had only prayed for one person and saw them have immediate physical healing. And that was my wife. She was having kidney stones, uh, pregnant with one of our kids. Forget which one. Emery. Uh, I remember that on my own. Um, She's having kidney stones with Emery. I prayed some probably weak. God, if it's your will, will you please come and but I think the gifts of the Spirit respond in to love, right? Earnestly pursue love and desire all the spiritual gifts, so love comes first. And so my love for Lauren probably overrided my lack of faith or knowledge or wisdom or whatever, and she was healed. Man, I haven't healed. I haven't seen God heal kidney stones since. But from 2020 on, I've seen divine, supernatural healing. I've seen legs that were atrophied because of disuse be fully healed and restored and muscles come back full within two weeks. We've had testimonies of babies being healed. We've had testimonies of things that doctors uh, couldn't uh, explain or do just be miraculously 
healed. We've had people cancel surgeries because they were healed, not because they had faith that they would be healed if they canceled the surgery, but that they were actually healed and they didn't need the surgery anymore. I've seen this. I've been a part of it. I've been around it. What changed? Three things changed. First, I just started to believe that, like Jesus did, that God's will was to heal people in the here and now when they go to Jesus for healing. Like, that's all I started to believe. And I'm just stating this like it just happened. It was probably a year and a half process for me. First heard this concept, right? First heard this concept, I was like, I don't know if I believe that. We'll just keep going. And then I'd read more, listen more, and be like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Oh, you have all this scripture that talks about it. Yes, everybody who did come. Okay, I see it. Why aren't people healed? I had the same question. Why aren't people healed sometimes? And then people explain, this is why sometimes people aren't healed. Oh, okay, so that makes sense, I guess. All right. Okay. And then I just, one day I was like, okay, I believe it. But it's a process. So if this is your first time hearing it, your second time hearing it, you might have to go through a process to come to that conclusion. But that's, what some, that's one of the main things that changed. So when people come up to me and ask for prayer for healing, I actually believe that God wants to heal. The second thing is that believing that made me actually start praying for healing. Before, hey, I'm, I'm having this problem. Will you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll put it on my list that I always forget to pray about. Well, will you pray for my healing? Well, I'll pray that maybe God will visit you in healing. But I won't actually pray for healing. I'll pray that maybe God will do something for you. And most of the prayers were like, okay, God, guide the hands of the surgeon. God, let the medicine kick in really powerfully and But when I started to believe that God actually wanted to heal in the here and now, then I actually started to pray for it. And so we've seen miraculous healing. And then the third thing was I started to pray for healing like Jesus and the disciples did. So you might ask, Charles, how did Jesus and the disciples, how did they pray for healing? If you come tonight, I'll tell you. Because I don't have time this morning. But come tonight, and I'll tell you how they prayed. And then we'll practice it. Here's here's the wrap-up. Here's the bow as we go to our reflection. Here it is. God wants healing and wholeness for his creation. From the beginning of time, that was his intent and his desire. And sickness, disease, and death came in and have marred that. It battles. It's a battle. Sickness is a spiritual battle. And Jesus came to destroy that, and he wants healing and wholeness for you. And so, every time, understand this, 
I always say, when I pray for somebody, when we pray for people here, we never guarantee healing, but we guarantee that you will be prayed for in faith, and I guarantee that every time you ask, I will pray, right then and right there. So here's what, here's what I want you to think about just kind of as we end. God wants you to be whole. And have you taken the first steps to be whole? The first steps to be whole are to proclaim Jesus as Lord, to be forgiven of your sins, to be cleansed spiritually, made righteous before him, and live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you turn from your ways and say, Jesus, you are Lord, I will follow you. Will you forgive me? His answer is always yes. Come, child, follow me. And if you haven't made that, that step, if you haven't taken that, you haven't said, God, I just, I want to be right with you. Today's a great day. And I want you to wrestle Maybe some of you have wrestled with him. This question is like, of course, Charles. But does Jesus still heal? Does he still intervene supernaturally on behalf of his creation? He does, but you need to wrestle with that. And sometimes, right? And so some of you, you've listened to this. You've heard it. You're like, I've seen it. I, you've prayed for me. Somebody's prayed for me, and I've been healed. But I don't have the faith to pray for somebody else. Or I have the faith to pray for other people, but man, only if they come up to me. I, I can't go up to somebody and, and ask for healing or, or, or pray for their healing. They have to come to me, I don't know, right? So there's these places, uh, these steps along the way where we just have to ask God, increase our faith, increase our faith, increase our faith. Are there places where God wants you to increase your faith? Think about that. Because honestly, the answer is yes, he wants to, but where is it? What, what's that next place where God just wants you to take the step to be obedient, to step out, to get your, your mind aligned with him? If you'll stand with me. Now, normally, you might expect that during our reflection time, we're going to have this big time of praying for healing. We're not. Okay? If you want to be prayed for for healing, come back tonight. That's when we're doing it. Because here's what happens on Sunday mornings, and I understand why it happens. But I'll say, hey, let's, pr let's do some prayer for healing. And then, you know, Lloyd and Stephanie are on the ministry team here, and they pray for and see healing fairly consistently, but everybody will line up to, to have me pray for them. And I don't want that. In fact, I want you all to be preaching for or praying for the rest of you so that the healing or praying for healing isn't bottlenecked with one person. And so that's for tonight. Now, if you're going to say, Charles, I can't make it tonight, I have this going on, or this going on, or this going, then I'll say, okay, first of all, can you cancel it? No? Okay. 
then I'll then myself or Stephanie and Lloyd up here, we will pray for your healing because we offer that every time we gather. No matter what the subject is, right? I could be I can be talking about uh, you know we can be going through uh, Book of Habakkuk and we'll still pray for healing after service, right? So come up and you can get prayer for healing. Um, and there are two people who may have gotten um, words. Uh, if you have pain in your ribs on the left side, come up for prayer. Or if you have upper leg pain on the left side. So it's, uh, the person told me it's right in this general area of leg pain. So if you have either one of those come up, I'll point you out um, who to be prayed for. And hold on, one more came in. I have to look at it. Uh, bottom of, if you're having problems with your left heel on the bottom of it, you can come up. Um, but other than that, if you can be here tonight, love to, we, I, I wouldn't love to pray for you. I would love to have other people pray for you tonight. Let me just tell you a quick story. Last time we did this on a Sunday night, I asked people to say, God, ask God what he wanted to heal. And um, Sidney Harmon said, uh, left legs. I believe it was left. I don't remember for sure. But there were left legs. And so we had about three or four people who had leg problems who wanted to come up and ask for prayer. And so there's there's a group of us, and I'm leading Sydney as Sydney prays. I'm telling him, say this, do this, listen to God. And... We're praying for one man, his name's John. I shared his testimony before. His leg was fully, uh, was healed, right? He, he used to have to go to, to get um, uh, basically minor surgery on it every three months, and it was healed. And there was, my friend um, Jen was right next to us as we were praying. And so uh, John is like experiencing God in that moment. And I turn to Jen and I say, okay, Jen, how can I pray for you? She's like, don't worry, it just got healed. And in my head, I was like, okay, but let me still pray for you. And Jen's a really good friend. So she's like, no, Charles, it's healed. Nobody laid a hand on her. Nobody spoke to pain and told it to go away. Nobody did anything like that. But the presence of God was there to heal. The power of God was present to heal. And that's what happens. That's what happens when we believe and practice. Where does God want to increase your faith? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, thank you for stretching us outside what might be comfortable sometimes. God, you are mighty. You're mighty to save. as we as we close as we sing as we set our mind and focus on you show us lord give us the faith in jesus name
anyone in here who's a date December 19th, 2016 is specific or special to? Right there? Okay. And you're, what's your name? You're a first time visitor, right? It's your son's birthday? Okay. Don't leave until I see you and uh, somebody text me that so they're going to talk to you and pray with you. Um, usually we let you hang out can relax, you can talk, you have 15 minutes, you have to be out, because we're having the informational meeting for the School of Kingdom Ministry, so you don't actually have to be out in 15 minutes, but if you're here in 15 minutes, you're part of the meeting, and you have to listen, so we're starting a School of Kingdom Ministry that's going to teach all about kingdom, identity, authority, healing, all this stuff that we've been talking about, we're just going to go more in depth, that is going to happen at noon, and I'll probably keep you for about 20 minutes, but if you want more information, um, be there, be um, stay here, um, and then at about five minutes till, I'll say, hey, if you're not going to be here, you don't have to go home, but you got to get out of here. 
Amen. God bless. Thank you for being here this morning. And let's, uh, let's do it again real soon.